Bulletproof Radio, a state of high performance. You're listening to Bulletproof Radio with Dave Asprey. What if there was a way to level up your energy, get rid of stress, and take more control of your body? Welcome to Quantum Upgrade. This is a new technology that taps into quantum energy to help you feel amazing. Quantum Upgrade has a lot of different products that help protect you from EMF and help activate your body's natural healing abilities. You can expect better sleep, more resilience, less stress, and better blood flow. The cool thing about Quantum Upgrade is that the products are backed by a lot of heavy-duty scientific studies, and there's a new measurable upgrade. You can now use Quantum Upgrade to increase your consciousness levels between 1,400 and 2,200 on the Hawkins map of consciousness. If you don't know what that means, do some research because it's impressive, it's fun to learn about, and it's something that I've come to understand. Ready to try Quantum Upgrade? Visit quantumupgrade.io slash Dave for a seven-day free trial. Everyone's talking about red light therapy beds, and for good reason. There's a company called ARRC LED that's building an entirely new class of LED devices. ARRC LED beds integrate proprietary scanning technology and frequency protocols to shape the delivery of six different wavelengths in dose-optimized photobiomodulation. Yes, that's a lot of words. What it is, though, is that photobiomodulation improves the underlying energetics of the cells in your body. And those changes can benefit nearly every tissue and organ and system in your body. You change your cells and you change your life. For more information, visit ARRCLED.com. Today's cool fact of the day is that men's faces tend to be reddish in color and women's faces are usually more green. Now, part of me says that's because one of us is from Mars and the other is from Venus, but that's not actually why. Researchers conducted a study looking at hundreds of faces, analyzed the main color hues to see what the pattern looked like, and they also asked the participants to identify the gender of a blurred face image and the evidence match. Most people say that men have reddish hues, even if they can't make out the features, and that women have greenish hues. So somehow we know this in our skin color. That's kind of cool. What if there was a way to feel younger for longer? Well, there is. Your body needs something called the NAD plus molecule to help you age well. When you're young, your body makes a lot of NAD plus, and that helps you make energy. It helps you keep your DNA healthy, absorb nutrients well and it protects your cells from stress. But once you hit about 30, your NAD plus levels start to drop. The good news is that longevity scientists have found some things that can help, like niacin, niacinamide, and niagen. They help your body make more NAD plus even as you age. All three of these are in an amazing formula called Qualia NAD plus. Check out Qualia NAD plus risk-free for up to 100 days at neurohacker.com slash Dave15 to save an extra 15%. That's neurohacker.com slash Dave15, Qualia NAD+. It's what I use. This is a show that so many people have been waiting for. You've all seen me in my cool sort of Cyclops orange glasses on stage in front of like thousands of people. And people always go, why do you do that? And I like to say it's because I'm a genetic mutant. But the real truth of the matter is that it's because of the work of the woman that you're looking at if you're watching us on iTunes or on YouTube. Uh, or maybe if you're just driving in your car, the woman whose voice you're going to hear. And this is Helen Erlin of the Erlin Institute. Helen, 
graduated from Cornell with a master's in educational psychology, and this matters. She was a school psychologist for 15 years, and she started the Erland Institute in 1983. She discovered something called skoptic sensitivity and visual stress, looked at how different colors affect brains. And she did this with a federal research grant looking at how you could help people with disabilities. She's also done a ton of work with wounded Marines in the Semper Fi Fund, people who have brain damage who benefit from colored lenses. So before I introduce you, Helen, there's one other thing that I am so proud of you for. (laughs) And this is the fact that you are one of the healers that I've worked with who has been mentioned on Quack Watch. So for all of you listening to this, Quack Watch is a site run by someone who has been discredited many times as a tool of the pharmaceutical industry, and he picks on the people with the coolest stuff that works. So the best biohackers are almost always listed there. So Helen, congratulations, and I hope to one day be listed on Quack Watch myself. I'm really working on it. So Stephen, if you're listening, dude, please put me on your site. I'd really appreciate that. (laughs) Thanks, Dave. All right, Helen. It's so excited to have you on the show. Tell me about Erlen syndrome or scoptic sensitivity. What is it? How did you come about this? Just give me the story. Oh, give you the background to this. You mentioned that I was, I've been a professional for 40 years plus already. So um, to my credit, I'm a therapist, I'm a school psychologist, I'm an adult learning disability specialist, I'm an educational specialist. But this all came about after working as a school psychologist and becoming very disenchanted with the fact that As a professional, I wasn't able to identify all those children and adults who were struggling and suffering. And every time I couldn't identify someone as having an actual problem, then that person felt that it was their fault that they were dumb, stupid, or lazy. And I realized that we as professionals didn't have all the tools, nor were we identifying all the underlying issues. And I think a lot of people listening to this can recognize that because they may feel as if they have a child and know, you know, something's wrong, but nobody's coming up with what the reason or the issue is. Um, And then as you mentioned it, I was started a program for adults at California State University here in Long Beach. And part of that was a federal grant for me to take a look at what kinds of problems stayed with an individual for a lifetime. And I, with the university students, they were bright, they had made it to a four-year university, but they were still struggling and not functioning up to their full potential. And this was the group that I got to do something very different with. I got to ask them what they thought their problem was. And in education, that's something we don't do. We tell people what their problem is. We never ask them, is this right? Is this wrong? Does this apply to you? I got to ask them. And the information that I got is what came and eventually formulated this whole concept of, wait a minute, here are all these issues and questions that we haven't asked that I then went ahead and had to find a solution for. So you you found a solution uh, for people by asking them, by measuring results and saying, what do you want instead of here's what you'll get? By asking them to describe their problem and starting to be pretty good at learning how to ask the right questions. It really makes a difference how you ask your question, what kind of information you get back. 
Um, that kind of brings up the point that most people aren't aware in the areas that I'm dealing with whether they're forming up to their potential or if they have a problem. Can I give you a couple of examples? Please. It's, it's interesting because we all cope or we avoid those things that are difficult or we develop strategies. So let me give you a couple of examples. If you ask somebody who doesn't like to read what reading is like, they'll just go, it's boring. I don't like it. What do they do? They try to get by without reading or doing skip reading. Um, and it's okay, but then it can affect your career choices. It can affect your advancement. Um, there's just so far that you can go and cope. When you ask the question in a different way, such as, I want you to think about reading not when you start, but when you get to that point that you want to stop reading. How, does, how do you feel and how do things look? You get a whole bunch of different responses for some people. It's kind of funny. I was unaware of your work, and I read very, very quickly. I learned to read at 18 months. Um, when I went and I did a lot of vision hacking, we actually tested my tracking, and I have near-perfect tracking. And that's pretty fortunate because until I did the, the testing for my Erlen lenses, those cool orange glasses you all see me wear, I would look at, at words and I could read, but under bright fluorescent lights, I could still read, but I noticed I would get really, really tired and I knew that the lights were hurting my eyes. And now I understand it's because there's some, some spectral differences in fluorescent lights and because my brain is fast enough to pick up a flicker that other people don't, even with those modern ones. They actually hurt, like when I look at them, I feel pain. So I, I looked at the page and when the guy was doing testing to see what color lenses caused the most eye relaxation for me, he said, well, look around the words. Do you see anything? And I'd never paid attention to what wasn't the word. And when I looked, there was all sorts of weird shapes and colors moving around on the page. And I'd never seen them because I never bothered to pay attention to them. And I realized, wow, that's kind of interesting. So when I put these lenses on, those things go away. But my eyes relax, and I'm actually way more resilient. So I wear those things, especially indoors, because I have three or four times as much energy all day because I spend less of my brain on filtering out frequencies that I don't like. Yeah, that's exactly right. It's actually your brain that's under stress. And that's an interesting concept because most of us, when we think about stress, we think about, you know, divorces and children and work, but they don't think about their environment being stressful. And the type of stress that we're able to eliminate is stress from the environment, especially fluorescent lights, bright lights, glare, um, high contrast, which is black print on white paper, computer screens, because you're staring into a fluorescent light, driving, headlights at night, and so that people don't think about their environment causing their brain to have to work harder. And that's going to affect their functioning, their performance, their achievement, their energy and effort, and generally their health and well-being. It's really amazing. But now that we've shown the willpower, uh, the willpower math around how you have limited amounts of willpower, you have only so much energy and your brain can be tired and you can use your willpower to make yourself do something. But what if you just took away the things that made you tired that didn't cost you much to take away? That's a good way of phrasing it. And the other thing is without realizing it, you're paying a price. And a lot of times it will show up when you're working so hard as being tired or fatigued and you just excuse it and think, oh, well, 
you know, everybody gets tired or fatigued. Everybody gets tired under fluorescent lights or everybody gets sleepy because reading is supposed to put you to sleep. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I hear that a lot. Or, or of course you get headaches when you're under fluorescent lights or with reading or with driving. Everybody does. And I asked my mom and she said, sure, I do it too. Everybody does. So we're also not aware that you don't need to pay this kind of price. And I want to bring up other, you know, it's amazing to me how many people accept the fact that they have to pay a physical price, that they have to have eye pain or strain, like you say, that they have to have headaches or be nauseous or dizzy. But anxiety, irritability, fidgetiness are all physical symptoms that may be being triggered by the environment that my Erlen filters can remove or eliminate. It's funny. One of the companies, a publicly traded one where I was a member of the executive team, we had this boardroom. And it was the most horribly lit boardroom I've ever imagined. They had compact fluorescent lights in directional cones mounted right over everyone's head and over the middle of the table with extreme tilt towards the blue spectrum. And that room gave me a headache within three minutes. I'm pretty <laughs> resilient, but you know I, I can go even without lenses for a while. And this thing was like kryptonite. And I don't think they ever had an effective board meeting in that room because everyone in there was hugely biologically stressed by the crappy design of the room and the lighting. So instead of doing work and making intelligent decisions, they made stress decisions. Oh, they had to go private because, well, the company was sort of failing. <laughs> I'm not going to say the lights caused it. There were a few other factors, but I think they contributed because people didn't think at the nervous system center of the company. Mm. And they didn't realize it. I think what happens is the fact that we have gone higher and higher tech. And the higher tech we go, the more we've created an environment that makes it difficult to perform and function for some individuals. And those are the ones that I work with. Think about it. Fluorescent lighting. The brightness of the lighting has increased by over 200% since World War II. We used to have blackboards. Then we went to green boards. Now we have whiteboards. We have interactive whiteboards. We have high glare, high gloss. Everything is higher contrast. Everything is brighter. And everything then becomes much more stressful, leading to difficulties and physical symptoms for those people I, I, that we can help. Yeah. All right, Helen, this is a question I've been wanting Go to ahead. ask for a long time. <laughs> Do Mac computers make your eyes weak because they have those damned glossy screens on them? Um, people complain a lot more about actually the Mac computers, and there's a lot of things that go online that I read about saying, how do I dim them down? What do I do about them? I can't use a Mac. I'm going to go back and get a, a PC computer instead. Right. And then think about what we've done. We not only have done that, we have iPads and iPhones, and we're reading off of iPads, and the brighter the better, right? I, I put anti-glare filters on all of them. And the first time I got a Mac with a glossy screen, uh, I had about a six-month period where I, I really had a decline in performance and I couldn't figure yeah. it out. I was in a dream job. I was working for you know, a VC firm, but I was sitting in a room with you know, fluorescent sconces, very terrible indoor lighting, and they were bouncing off my screen into my eyes. So I was trying to stare through the reflection into you know, my email and whatever else, and I, I couldn't figure out why I was a zombie halfway through the day. And I did eventually figure it out. And I, I just wonder, now that we've gone to super bright, super glossy screens, are you seeing an increase in demand for people who are saying, well, what's my color to cause eye relaxation? 
well, again, it's brain. It's brain Sorry, causes. I, yeah. yeah, I keep having to come back to the brain because the brain controls how you think, how you feel, yes, how you act. And it perform. is brain, not eye. So it's all brain-based, yep. not your eyes. Yes, and also look at the television sets. I get a lot of complaints about the HD TV sets. And again, the more high-tech we go, the more difficulties we're creating for a lot of people. So I, I turn the brightness uh, and the contrast way down on the modern things, which helps enormously. And I run software on my computer called Flux, which I'm And you wear your Erlen filters. Uh, yeah, and I wear my Erlen filters <laughs> and sometimes two pair. No, just kidding. <laughs> but uh, it, it, it has definitely made me way more resilient throughout the day uh, to the extent that I'm willing to wear them. And I don't really care if people think I look goofy. I probably looked goofy <laughs> beforehand anyway. Uh, now, what? Uh, tell me more about the science behind this. So, so you say it affects the brain, not just the eyes, and and I, that's certainly my perception of it. How does poor lighting affect the eyes? Poor lighting, and let's define poor lighting yes. again. You said it is fluorescent lights and very bright lights. Okay, um, becomes poor lighting. What happens is if your eyes are open. It's not your eyes that have to read and process visual information, it's your brain. And if your eyes are open, your brain is being flooded by light, okay? And light is composed of all the colors of the rainbow, traveling at different speeds. And there are certain of those colors or wavelengths of light that's coming in in the wrong timing. So if it's like a radio, it would sound like a lot of distortion to your brain. And then your brain has to work harder and harder and it's not processing it correctly. And then it starts to create physical symptoms. And like you talked about distortions on the page, that things can flicker and flash. And what you look at in your environment, you may not have depth perception and not even realize it. So it can affect everything you look at, whether it's trying to read, write, copy, or drive or function in your environment. But that's, that's the concept, is your brain. And your brain is connected to your spinal cord so that if your brain is stressed, it just goes throughout your whole system. Do you have any uh, like imaging studies or like what does it do to your brain waves? Like how do we know it's really affecting the brain versus just a bunch of picky people with Asperger's syndrome? Yeah, okay. I'm <laughs> Good way of describing it, Dave. <laughs> Let me show you, and you can. we can talk about it for those that are driving in their car. The top brain, what happens is when the brain is stressed, this is a, a spec scan where they're looking at somebody trying reading on the computer in real time. And the parts of the brain, for those of you who can see this, um, that is white, is the part of the, the brain that is overactive and working too hard. And that part of the brain that you're seeing that's working too hard is the back part of your brain, which is your visual cortex. But it talks to other parts of your brain so that it triggers the central part of your brain that you can see is also white. And that's anxiety and irritability and fidgetiness and nervousness. And to compensate, the top part of your brain is underactive and that's not functioning well. And that is your attention and concentration. That's somebody who needs <laughs> to wear my filters. The bottom pictures is the same person reading on the computer, but they're wearing their own spectral filters now so that their brain can com 
can perform at its peak performance without any stress or strain. And look how calm that brain is. Now, if you're listening to this in your car, we're looking at you know front or top view and a side view of a brain. The top one, when someone has visual stress and brain stress as a result of fluorescent lighting, the whole brain is lit up. Looks like there's pieces of bubble gum stuck all over it. And the bottom brain is just about clear, and it's a relaxed brain. And I certainly feel that that difference. The spec scan itself comes from injecting a radioactive sugar with a radioactive tracer in it into the body and then doing a test in uh, an imaging machine. This is a kind of thing that I've done. The pictures of my brain that you've seen online are from a spec scan I've done on myself. Unfortunately, when I did my spec scan, I did not have uh, access to Erlen filters because I didn't know about them. So I didn't do a before and after, uh, but I did do a concentrating and not concentrating. And my concentrating one showed basically a flat line, no metabolic activity in my prefrontal cortex, partly I'm sure because of uh, visual stress and partly because of environmental stress and the wrong foods and an untrained mind and all the other things that I've since hacked. So you showed us the brain scan, pretty big difference. Did you work with Dr. Amen, who's a big fan of spec scans or is this... Yeah, this is one of this was taken at one of Dr. Amen's clinics. One of our clients. We Love have it. a number of them. So yes, we work with Dr. Amen. Uh, Dr. Amen, if for those those of you listening who haven't come across his work, he's a very solid brain scientist who's so quantitative. He looks at the brain, sees what it's doing, and then changes the environment to change it. So he's an, an epic biohacker and one worth paying attention to. So it's cool. I wasn't sure if that was one of his scans or something. Yes, else. it is. Okay. Mm-hmm. So Helen. We talked about like sensory overloads and you mentioned bright lighting, fluorescent lighting, and what about sunlight? Is this causing problems for some people? I think, let me take it, yes, but let me take it a a step which is interesting to me. A lot of people who are bothered by sunlight, they know they're bothered by sunlight. They quickly go and grab sunglasses, but if they didn't wear their sunglasses and they stayed out in bright light, the same physical symptoms that would be triggered by sunlight are triggered by bright lights, fluorescent lights, glare, white paper, high contrast, certain patterns, reading and doing any visually intensive activity. Okay. So it's a your brain interprets all of these environmental that I mentioned in terms of the environment as stressors and has difficulty coping with them. And the, and I forgot headlights at night as well. Yeah, headlights at night have always bothered me. Um, yeah. Here's a question for you, though. Mm. I know bright lights and blue spectrum light in the middle of the day signal to our body that it's daytime, so our circadian rhythm is is normal. And when I work at home, it looks like this. I've got a thousand watts of halogen shining down on me. Doesn't cause any brain stress, which is kind of unusual. But if I had 40 watts of fluorescent light shining on me, I would really feel like a headache coming on after a while. Why the difference between super bright, almost sunlight intensity? If you're looking at this on video, I just turned them on. And if you're just listening, I'm now glowing really brightly. So <laughs> how? what's the difference between those two settings? Well, again, it depends on the person's brain and everybody's brain is different. I have people who cannot handle halogen lights either. Yeah. Um, if you ask me what the best lighting is for the population that I work with, it's indirect natural lighting or incandescent lights, which are being banned all over the world. I will admit that I might have a thousand incandescent and halogen bulbs in storage. because In storage. I, That's I, what a lot of my clients do. They have them in the closet in storage, right? Yeah. I like being able to see and I I can tell you that 
the curly lights, those nasty compact fluorescents, not only do they emit a sickly glow, they do reduce human performance even in people who aren't a delicate flower like me. And <laughs> they they also, if if one of them breaks, you should be trained, if you're listening to this, run out of the room. Because if you breathe a little of the gas in there, you can get mercury poisoning just from that. And there are cases of, of you know kids who broke one in the room and then slept in a room with the broken pieces who got profoundly ill as a result of that. So these are toxic things that don't belong in your house. If you can afford the iPad or the car you're listening to the show on, you can afford proper lighting. And that means no fluorescence. If you care about your family, you care about your own health and your own long-term performance, you ought to just toss them. And if someone yeah, except tries- for the, Dave, the go- yeah. government's totally against that because they're saying you must have fluorescent lights on, which is creating a huge issue. We've come up and done position papers in Europe and Canada and the U.S. and saying, wait a minute, there's a huge population that cannot handle fluorescent lighting in, in terms of it creating physical symptoms, difficulty performing, problems with ability, anxiety, a whole bunch. And because... We're not the majority of the population. The government's dismissed it and keeps promoting fluorescent lighting and is not is refusing to take away the ban on incandescent lights. What about LED lights? Uh, and let's make this not just for sensitive brains, but just for people who want to perform well. Yeah, I don't know about that. We haven't had enough time to really research and see it with the same population. It's supposedly the wave of the future and the way it's going to go eventually is away from fluorescence and into LEDs. I've started using LEDs in my light, in in my office here for part of my lighting. Um, I don't have the remote close to me, but um, my eyes really like the red spectrum, which enhances mitochondrial function anyway. Mm -hmm. So since it's a color tunable light, it costs $30 from Costco and it's a strip it's easy to get indirect light and you can tune the spectrum in the lights. And I I feel like the ability to recreate a natural spectrum and not stare at a super bright LED, it's already changing interior lighting design. And I know the Bulletproof stores that we're opening, uh, starting in LA where we'll have actual like Bulletproof coffee shops that I've spec'd only LED lighting um, or halogen when possible because uh, I won't allow fluorescent lights in the store. Cool. You're controlling your environment. I guess the whole, my whole position is the fact that what happens when you can't control your whole environment? Isn't it easier to have a pair of glasses like you wear that you can just put on, you have them on, and it doesn't matter if you're in fluorescent lighting, if you're in bright lighting, if you're in LEDs or whatever bothers you, it goes away. And so your whole environment, 100% of the time, stays stress-free and you don't have to worry about it being controlled or making changes because you can't control your whole environment. No, you can't control your, your whole environment. And the best that you can do is you can optimize the environment so that the average person is as highest performing and as well as, as you can arrange. But right. if you're an outlier and, you know, I hate to say this, People who are super high performance, they are outliers by definition. <laughs> um, <laughs> you're going to need to, uh, you're going to need to to customize your own environment, and that may mean you know you carry your butter with you if you're eating a high fat diet like the bulletproof diet. Yeah, I do that. <laughs> it may mean you have a bag of vitamins. Yeah, I do that, and it may mean that you have cool glasses. And hey, I do that too. Uh, same thing with wearing a jacket, even right? You know, you, we do that, and it seems very natural. But c- controlling your spectrum is just so out there. What are the benefits that people experience uh, when when they put on lenses? Like, like what, what are seen? the benefits? Yeah, okay. what have you seen? Uh, depend. It, it, benefits of this in terms of reading, you can read faster. 
easier, longer, no physical symptoms. You don't have to reread for comprehension. You're not finding that you have to take breaks. Driving. It's not stressful. It's not hard to turn left in front of oncoming traffic. You're not sitting there waiting because you're not sure. Um, it's easier in terms of changing lanes, in terms of night driving. You don't have to look down. You can stay looking at the road because the headlights aren't too bright and they don't bother you. It you can be pain-free, and that's something that's always, I find interesting, how there are people who just assume, well, I've always had headaches, I've had them for a long time, I guess I just have to have headaches. And I always think, why? Why do you live with that thought that you have to have headaches when there's something as simple, technology, that can get rid of totally your headaches? In terms, gee, just in terms of and I can kind of talk about extreme cases in terms of people being misdiagnosed, all right, especially ADD and ADHD. And that's become a huge issue in this country. We're really diagnosing more and more children and adults and putting them on medication. But what about if that's really a misdiagnosis and your inattentiveness and your fidgetiness is related to the lighting, is related to you needing to take breaks and that you don't need medication and you've been diagnosed. So we see a lot of people who just need their oil and filters and gee, they say, you know, I don't have ADD or ADHD. The most severe cases, and it's it's, uh, and I want to switch a little bit because you can inherit this problem, so you get to blame either your mom or dad, or you can acquire it through head injury or concussion, and that's become a big topic today in terms of sports and concussions. We've been doing research now for the last two years on head injuries and concussions with the military population. They're the most severe in terms of experiencing repeated explosions and experiencing repeated concussions and TBIs, and then living literally every day of their lives with headaches and migraines. No longer can they read, no longer can they do any kind of academic tasks um, that they used to do. And with the Erlen filters, it totally restores their capabilities and totally takes away their headaches and migraines, so they're not living on a whole list of heavy-duty medications in terms of surviving. We deal with kids in sports, professional athletes in the NFL and the hockey leagues who have had concussions, and it has really affected their ability and performance. I think I've always been somewhat sensitive to colors. Just I remember even in university years ago, I, I always wanted to wear a baseball hat, sunglasses, things like that. I just naturally did that, not recognizing that it was visual strain, just that I was more comfortable that way. Right. Now, when I did my spec scan, this is going back 15 years, I'd just been living in a really moldy house, had toxic mold in it. Mm -hmm. And my, and this was, I, I did my brain scan with a guy I'd been trained by Daniel Amen uh, for about 15 years. And I did the scan. It came back with signs of toxic brain exposure and, and like two other pages of things that weren't working well in my head. And I oftentimes wonder if I actually got damage to my brain that made my light sensitivity worse because it does seem to be worse now than it did, you know, when I was a teenager, let's say. 
So there are a lot of things that uh, you can inherit the problem and you can also acquire it, as I said, but you can have things that even if you've inherited that have made your life sensitivity worse, like toxicity and moles, in terms of Lyme's disease, in terms of a whole bunch of issues that can contribute to increasing your light sensitivity. I had that too, come to think of it. All right. Oh, dear. Okay. I think light sensitivity becomes the key issue that we're dealing with here, but people aren't aware of how much it can affect you and how much it can affect your whole ability and ability to perform and how you're paying a price. Because when I work with people who have severe light sensitivity, they're putting their brain under chronic stress and chronic stress affects the immune system. That's serious. There are studies that show classrooms with fluorescent lights have more days of absenteeism for the teacher and the students are sick more often too. And these aren't all light-sensitive kids. These are just normal, healthy kids. It is a chronic stressor, right? Yeah, it is. Yes, it definitely is. And then you have classrooms that really are going to maximize the chronic stress by having bright fluorescent lights. They have white desks, they have white walls and white floors. And the amount of headaches and migraines are phenomenal <laughs> in classrooms that are like that. Well, the, the classroom of the future maybe could be all mirrors. Maybe that'll, <laughs> that'll make it even worse. Just give, give them time. Now... What about people who are listening to this saying, I don't really get a headache when I read? My response there would be, well, hey, maybe you're getting a headache and you just don't even recognize it, which sounds weird. But if it always feels that that way when you read, you won't tag it as an unusual condition. It's just like, oh, when you read, it feels like this. Yeah, or you can get eye pain or eye strain, or you get very good at knowing when to stop before any of these symptoms occur. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. I, I find that people aren't aware of the symptoms when they read. They're more aware of it in terms of bright sunlight triggering them. And that's why I keep saying, think about this one-on-one correlation. Whatever happens to you in bright sunlight after a while without sunglasses is happening to you when you're reading, when you're sitting under fluorescent lighting, when you're driving, when you're night driving. It's exactly the same trigger. You're just less aware of it. Or you're coping and you're compensating so you're not aware of it. The more I've used things like like neurofeedback, the 40 years of Zen training uh, that I do has made me acutely aware of like, oh, wait, I'm wobbling from the the state of high performance that I like to be in. Mm -hmm. And immediately I start asking why, the more I've become aware of like, wow, this is a variable that I didn't understand. And the first thing that brought it into my awareness was your work and wearing my early lenses. And it, it was profound, the difference in just attention that I had. But what about people who aren't as sensitive to sunlight or, or whatever else like I am? So if you're already, say you're a CEO, you can read pretty well, you, know, you generally feel pretty good, you're tired sometimes, or you know, you're a, a stay-at-home dad, <laughs> either, either part of the spectrum, you have different kinds of stressors, right? What, what use would this kind of technology your filters have, or do most people not need these and only the special cases need them? Well, let's call special cases. It's not 100% of the population. Yeah. <laughs> We're probably about 46% of the population out that, there who it. are special. Um, <laughs> and that's on a continuum from very severe to not as severe. And it just depends on how much you're compensating and coping without realizing it. You're right. There are people who are very aware of it because they're dealing with major symptoms, um, physical symptoms. And there are people who go, yeah, I'm okay. I just daydream in class. Or I daydream, you know, in a when I'm in a business meeting under fluorescent lighting. I notice I kind of have to work harder at attending and then I start to drift off. They may not be aware that that's what's happening and, and is being caused by the fluorescent lights. 
So Helen, I've done some EEG experiments in being a biohacker. That's just kind of how I roll. And I, <laughs> I, I noticed uh, during one of the 40 years of Zen trainings, I was staring at a bright screen in a dark room, a, a very brightly lit fluorescent LED screen. And I was getting these symptoms that I get from super bright lights like that. But we were looking at my brain waves with eight different channels. So what I determined was that if I kept staring at this thing, I would go into this like a daydreamy kind of state. But what my brain did is I had eyes open theta and some eyes open alpha. And both of those are tied with you know, dissociation. So I'm basically daydreaming and you should not have alpha with your eyes open for most people. So my, my whole brain was going into this kind of chaotic state after about 15 minutes of staring at lights like that. And if I didn't stare at the lights, it didn't happen. So we looked at electrical changes in the brain. Mm-hmm. But if I started talking, it would go away. And it illuminated something fascinating for me. Throughout my career as a student, if you can call it that, I would always get in trouble for talking in class. And that was because my brain was about ready to shut off and I'd have to say something. And I think a lot of my early career growth, I mean, I was attending board meetings at a public company when I was 26. It's because I was the guy who wouldn't shut up in a meeting, so they had to promote me. I, I think that was it because I would feel it coming on and then I would say something so I wouldn't like pass out in the meeting. So maybe this is a gift after all. <laughs> For you learned a great strategy. I don't think most people can use your same strategy. <laughs> so I don't think that's one we're going to teach people. It's just better to not get so overstressed yeah. out. <laughs> I, I wish I would have known about this much earlier in life. Uh, but, it is, but I'll remember that. I have to teach people that strategy. <laughs> it, it is fascinating that engaging, at least in my case, I don't know if this is for everyone, that engaging my language centers would make the brain get out of that highly stressed state and do something else. And it was good for a little while. I could do things like eat sugar or um, uh, eat fat that would increase mitochondrial activity and that would give me more resilience. So I had all these strategies like, oh, I'm starting to crater. Okay, I need to get a chocolate chip cookie. That's going to help. I can drink some more coffee. That's going to help. And I'll say something. And of course, I weigh 300 pounds from those strategies. But uh, (laughs) it's amazing how something as seemingly simple as a visual stress that ties to brain stress can affect everything that you do. Everything that you do. And I think that's a good point, Dave. I have a story about, um, uh, uh, well, I guess there's one of my students who came to see me and was a C student at UCLA and with her own filters became an A student and said to her brother, you need to go in and see Helen Erlen um, or one of her clinics. And uh, he says, I don't need to do that. I'm a law student. I'm wonderful. Well, he <laughs> he failed the bar twice, and therefore they brought him in, mom, dad on one side, and his sister on the other side. And what he would do is, within when he started to read, within two pages he started to drink coffee nonstop. Within four pages he would have to hold his eyelids open to read so that they wouldn't close. But he didn't have a problem, right? There's a thing, probably men are worse at this, about you know admitting weakness. Yeah. And if you see this as a weakness thing, that's one thing. The way I look at it, even you know Michael Phelps, you know he has a special swimsuit that gives him an unfair advantage over naked people in the water, right? So we all use tools to make ourselves stronger and to make ourselves faster. And identifying those areas where a tool is going to help you the most, it only makes you stronger. And that's what the best athletes in the world, that's what the most successful people do. And the most fearful ones are the ones who go, I might have a weakness, but I'm not going to admit it. If I don't say it, it's not there. So yeah, you know, my my eye-brain interaction, and honestly, my auditory 
my, my hearing and my brain, they don't work as well as they should. And it's probably congenital and it probably has to do with sugar consumption and folic acid in my mom when she was carrying me. Um, at least that's the theory and it's a pretty plausible one. So I know my weaknesses pretty well at this point. I know my strengths and if I can make my, my strength stronger or make my weaknesses less weak or even stronger, I'm totally going to do that and it makes me more bulletproof. And I'm saying you're talking about maximizing your brain potential. Yeah. And I don't see that as a weakness. I see that as a strength to want to maximize your brain potential. So now I'm this soccer, uh, you know, soccer dad or CEO. And how would I go about deciding whether early lenses are going to be something useful for me in my daily life or just when I'm reading or some other time? Okay. There are two things. One is uh, we have a website, Erlen, I-R-L-E-N.com, and we have various uh, uh, self-tests. So it's very easy to identify, A, whether this is going to be helpful, and then how much of a price you've been paying. So we have um, those in we have self-tests, general self-tests, reading self-tests, headache and migraine self-tests available. Okay. Oh, that's awesome. We also work with autism and Asperger's syndrome because a lot of individuals on that continuum have a very, very distorted environment. And we have different self-tests for that. It's interesting. You mentioned that I'm going to be presenting at the upcoming Autism One conference. And uh, some of my nonprofit work has been around uh, supporting families with autistic kids. And my first book is what do you do as parents before you even get pregnant to reduce the chances of autism happening? You know, how do you reduce autoimmunity in the nervous system and things like that? So I, I love it that you're helping people um, who are adults or who are kids who have a visual component of a condition like that to address it. Because it can change the whole way your brain works. And if 46% of people have some degree of improvement here, like take a little online quiz. I'm guessing these are free. Totally free. All right. So t take a free quiz. See if you're one of the one in two approximately people who might benefit from tuning your color, at least when you're reading or some of the time. Or most of the time. Most of the time. Because <laughs> you're under light all the time. We, we may have like a whole bulletproof army of people out there wearing all different colored sunglasses in rooms after this. I'm kidding. Um, but <laughs> honestly, I know a few, like uh, one of my very dear friends is a, a C-level executive at one of the top five nonprofit websites out there. And she she has these really cool pink and yellow tinted glasses that are her color and she doesn't wear them most of the time but when she reads sometimes she does and they relax her eyes and relax her brain and she feels better right and so you know it happens and it's not like you're going to wear these all the time but you may find that they're so useful that you do and then you'd be like me and I just one point, we do have them in contact lenses. So for people who have colors and they don't want to wear them, we put them in contacts and we only tint the center portion so it doesn't change the color of your eye and nobody knows that you're wearing them. Wow. If you wear contacts and you have this, this kind of thing going on, that would be a true superpower. Uh, I wish my eyes weren't so dry. I'd probably do it, but yeah. I kind of like, <laughs> like my glasses now. Now, now Helen... Towards the end of a show, there's a question that I've asked every guest. We're nearing our 100th episode now. And the question is, uh, what are the top three recommendations you have for people who want to perform better in all walks of life? Not just from your, your daily work, but just your whole life. Three pieces of wisdom that high performers should know about. I think one is know yourself and be aware of your own physical symptoms and be aware when you're using strategies or coping mechanisms to get by because you're also paying a price, 
okay? That's one thing that I would recommend to most people. Gee, that's a, you know, interesting in terms of you're asking it that way, in terms of generally asking questions. The other thing that I would probably recommend is it doesn't hurt to get educated. And you know that all the time, Dave. You know, you go online and you look things up and you yeah. question things and you ask questions. If you don't ask questions and you don't get educated, you're never going to know. And probably the third thing is don't assume just in general that stress is external, that it can be related to the environment and you have a right to get rid of stress. And if you don't, you're going to pay a price. Very well said. Helen, would you please tell us your URL one more time so people can check it out if they want? We'll put it in the show notes. We'll put links to the quizzes and all that there as well on bulletproofexec.com. But just people who are driving or something are probably wanting to enter this URL so they can check it out. So what's your URL? Okay. It's, uh, it's Erlen, I-R-L-E-N dot com. Okay. Very and I've written easy. two books, but I think people will first go to the website and then they can find out more information. Uh, your two books are Reading, Reading by, the- by the Colors, right? And then the, I can show you the pictures of them. Yeah, and then we'll my other book is The Erlen, can we see that? Yeah. Okay. The Erlen Revolution. Okay. And it's a guide to changing your, your perception and your life. It, it works. I, I can definitely vouch for it. And Helen, thank you for the work that you've done. I know it, it's not always been easy to bring a, a condition that 46% of people have and don't know it uh, to light. So I can tell how much energy you've dedicated since 1983 to bringing out something that is an obvious problem from where I sit. Uh, if you're listening to the show and you want to check it out, the way it works is you find on the Erlen website a local practitioner who can help you get the right color tints for your eyes. It's like a prescription tint almost. And then they can cut the lens blanks for you. They can make lenses that are the right color, and then you can get them fit into whatever frames you want. And Dave, one point is everybody's brain is different, and so there's no one-size-fits-all. The color is totally customized for to each person's brain, and that's the art of this technology, and that's why it works so well. Yeah, so everyone would not be wearing orange glasses, although at nighttime you might want to block some extra blue spectrum to sleep better, and that's a different problem than what we're talking about here. (laughs) Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Helen. Have an awesome day, and uh, I'm hoping that this podcast really helps a lot of people. You've certainly helped me. Thank you. If you've enjoyed today's show, check it out on iTunes and click the button that says, this is a good show and you should watch it too. I would totally appreciate that. And while you're at it, please swing by Facebook and give us a like if you haven't done it already. We're at around between 50 and 60,000 likes. And the way Facebook has changed their algorithms means that the more likes you have, the easier it is to share your message. And I appreciate it if you help to share the message because this show and this work has helped a lot of people and it's making people stronger and better all the time. Thanks again. And I'll see you on the next Bulletproof Executive Radio. The Human Upgrade, formerly Bulletproof Radio, was created and is hosted by Dave Asprey. The information contained in this podcast is provided for informational purposes only and is not intended for the purposes of diagnosing, treating, curing, or preventing any disease. Before using any products referenced on the podcast, consult with your healthcare provider, carefully read all labels, and heed all directions and cautions that accompany the products. 
Information found or received through the podcast should not be used in place of a consultation or advice from a healthcare provider. If you suspect you have a medical problem or should you have any healthcare questions, please promptly call or see your healthcare provider. This podcast, including Dave Asprey and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein. This podcast is owned by Bulletproof Media.